Hello and welcome to episode 142 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. It's my pleasure to be with you today. My name is Terrence M. Stanton. We're recording on Monday, March 28th, 2022, and we're checking out Fatima, The Great Secret of Fatima, A Spiritual Light for Our Times, Volume 3, by Father Carl Stellan of the Society of St. Pius X. We'll begin at the beginning, as they say. Chapter 1, you'll recognize them by their fruits, the marvelous results of Fatima. Whenever heaven appears on earth, great fruits are produced. These fruits are themselves the best means to understand the importance of the apparition, motivate us to accomplish it faithfully, and to propagate it so as to receive the same fruits. The first fruit is the eminent holiness of the seers themselves, as any fruit of a true heavenly intervention is holiness. Concretely, the true fruits of a true apparition are always a. The overcoming of the darkness of sin and error, b. Growth in the love of God and all good, equaling virtues. This has to be applied first of all to the three children themselves. The beatification of Jacinta and Francisco in 2000 was the final result of a process of 50 years beginning with the opening of their coffins and the miraculous fact that the face of Jacinta was incorrupt. Each of them was heroically faithful to Our Lady's requests, and that fidelity alone brought them to eminent holiness. Similar fruits can also be found in the many conversions of the unbelievers and tepid Christians who were privileged to see the miracle of the sun on the 13th of October, 1917. Ever since, millions of souls have been converted and have sanctified themselves because they got in touch with the message of Fatima, or more precisely with the Immaculate Heart of Mary herself, through her various instruments. But as these most important graces are largely invisible ones, we are bound to limit ourselves to the visible, verified, and approved marvels accomplished directly by the Immaculate Heart of Mary, by means of her apparitions at Fatima. We will only quote historical facts as proofs of authenticity, with all references being taken from the second and third volumes of Brother Michel de la Santa Trinite's The Whole Truth About Fatima, as well as from the books written by Father Joaquin Alonso about the same topic. Number one, Portugal, showcase of Our Lady of Fatima. History. After almost 150 years of domination by the Freemasons, Portugal, at the beginning of the 20th century, was economically ruined and in a state of anarchy. By means of a terrible revolution in 1910, the Freemasons passed a series of anti-Christian laws, divorce, separation of church and state, persecuted the clergy, closed churches and monasteries, and banished the majority of the bishops. Canon Barthas gives a summary of this situation. Masonic impiety took advantage of the disorder to sow irreligion in the masses. Freedom of worship was hindered by numerous restrictions. The carrying out of apostolic works became almost impossible. The religious orders were suppressed and paralyzed. Moreover, little by little, the seminaries emptied, and the clergy, impoverished and chained by restrictive laws, became too scarce to maintain a profound religious life. The Catholic press was suffocated, reduced to a few weeklies in the provinces, without serious influence on the masses. The times were evil. The future was even more somber. In 1917, at the same time that Freemasonry was celebrating its second centenary in Rome and the Bolshevik Revolution was taking place in Russia, Our Lady appeared in Fatima to provide great means of salvation against these terrible instruments of the devil's attacks. Immediately after the great miracle of the sun on the 13th of October, the Freemasons received a first defeat 
by losing the municipal elections in many places on the 14th of October. Furious, they went to Fatima and demolished everything that made up the primitive shrine at that time and organized a parody of a procession through the village shouting blasphemies and litanies, a meeting of protest against the clerical mercantile speculation going on at Fatima was called, but almost no one attended it. On the 6th of December, Sidonio Pais, the minister of state, led a coup d'etat with enormous support on the side of public opinion. On the 8th of December, the patronal feast of Portugal, his national uprising obtained its definitive victory. Within six months, all anti-Christian laws were abolished. The bishops returned, convents reopened, churches were restored. After a few attempts on his life, Sidonio Pais was finally murdered on the 14th of December, 1918. After his assassination, the country fell back into political anarchy, and the Freemasons again took power and threw the country once more into anarchy and ruin. However, thanks to pilgrimages of immense crowds to Fatima during those years, the rosary was being recited almost uninterruptedly on the spot of the apparitions. Portuguese Catholics regained their self-confidence and courage. The history of the beginnings of the sanctuary in Fatima is a striking illustration of the fight between the Catholic faithful and the liberal, civil, and political powers dominated by Freemasonry. These latter tried all means to dissuade the people from making the pilgrimage. In vain. In April 1920, the faithful built a little chapel at the Cova de Iria, called Capelina, according to the wishes of Our Lady from the 13th of October, 1917. I want to tell you that a chapel is to be built here in my honor. A month afterwards, the first statue of Our Lady of Fatima was placed at the place of the apparitions. It is still the same today. On the 13th of May, 1920, a force of infantry and cavalry of the Republican Guard was sent by the Freemasonic Minister of the Interior to profane the little chapel of Fatima, destroy the statue of Our Lady, and disperse the crowds of pilgrims. For hours they tried to prevent the pilgrims reaching the place of the apparitions, but finally they had to give up because of the great number and the courage of the pilgrims. Two years later, on the 6th of March, 1922, the Capolino was dynamited. The explosive device placed on the trunk of the home oak on which Our Lady had appeared, however, did not explode. A great ceremony of reparation took place on the fifth anniversary of the apparitions, with a crowd of 60,000 pilgrims filling the Cova de Iria. From that day forward, Fatima became a center of religious renewal for the whole country. Convents were built. The newspaper Voice of Fatima was founded, and the number of pilgrims tripled each year. In 1926, a military uprising put an end to the Masonic tyranny. On the 28th of April, 1928, Antonio Salazar, a fervent Catholic, began to rule the country. On the 13th of May, 1928, the cornerstone of the Basilica of Fatima was laid. On the 13th of October, 1930, the apparitions of Fatima were canonically approved by the Bishop of Leiria. On the 13th of May, 1931, all Portuguese bishops in the presence of the Apostolic Nuncio consecrated Portugal to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. A triple miracle. Miracle of conversions. Cardinal Sarahara often repeated that it was the miracle of conversions at work in Fatima, a miracle greater than the resurrection of the dead, which opened his eyes to Fatima. The seminaries were filled at an astonishing rate. In 1917, there were 18 seminarians in the Diocese of Porto Alegre, 120 in 1929, 201 in 1933. In Leiria in 1920, the seminary was closed. 
1933, it was running again and already numbered 75 seminarians. In Braga in 1933, there were 478 seminarians. A similar astronomic growth can be observed among the religious vocations. Amongst the faithful in 1934, the Pious Union of Crusaders of Fatima counted 500,000 members. In 1942, Cardinal Sarah Harris said, in the whole country, you could hardly manage to gain, to gather a handful of the enemies of religion. And he continued, anybody who would have closed his eyes 25 years ago and opened them now would no longer recognize Portugal. So vast is the transformation worked by the modest and invisible factor of the apparition of the Blessed Virgin at Fatima. Really, Our Lady wished to save Portugal. And in 1956, he said, I note first of all the fact, for which we can never give enough thanks, of the peace, freedom, and renewal of the Church in Portugal. One cannot speak about this wonderful renewal without bringing up at the beginning the miracle of Fatima in 1917. Indeed, the apparition of Our Lady in Fatima was for Portugal like the rainbow, which according to the biblical account appeared in the sky after the flood. A new era of peace was going to begin. Miracle of Social and Political Renewal To save Portugal more effectively and durably, Our Lady of Fatima was not content with converting souls by leading them to God individually. She wished to make the land of Portugal a real country of Christendom again, where social and political life itself would be completely permeated by the light of faith and the energies of divine grace through the ministry of the Church. Thanks to Salazar's clarity and courage, the Catholic restoration of Christendom in Portugal was realized by his thoroughly Catholic and anti-liberal program, which included concrete and bold actions. In 1935, Freemasonry was dissolved. Communism was condemned as being intrinsically perverse. Anticipating the words of Pius XI's later encyclical on communism, Salazar said, We want to construct a social and corporate state that has a close affinity to the natural constitution of society. Families, parishes, municipalities, corporations. We want to preserve at all costs the simplicity of life, purity of morals, gentleness of sentiments, the equilibrium of social relations. This modest but noble family atmosphere, which is proper to Portuguese life, from the wave that is falling over the world. Salazar helped Our Lady of Fatima save Portugal, and Our Lady returned the favor, helping him to face the storms in which, without her help and protection, he undoubtedly would have foundered. Miracle of Peace On the 13th of July, 1936, the Spanish Civil War broke out. The great secret of the 13th of July, 1917, had begun to be fulfilled to the letter. Russia will spread its errors throughout the world, raising up wars and persecutions against the church. The good will be martyred. Portugal was threatened from without, as a Spanish communist wanted to extend the civil war to the whole of the Iberian Peninsula. And from within, as many rebels tried to join the Spanish revolutionaries, who even tried to make an attempt on Salazar's life. On the 13th of May, 1936, the Portuguese bishops made a solemn vow to come to Fatima on the 13th of May, 1938, to lead the national pilgrimage to solemnly give thanks to the Most Holy Virgin in the name of the whole nation, if she obtains peace, excuse me, if she obtains for Portugal victory over atheistic communism and the blessing of peace, which she did. Therefore, on the 13th of May, 1938, Cardinal Sarah Harris solemnly thanked Our Lady for having escaped the revolutionary contagion and for having miraculously given to them the blessing of peace. The consecration was made in the presence of half a million pilgrims, 
and was repeated in every parish of Portugal. On the 6th of February, 1939, Sister Lucia wrote to her bishop and informed him that the Great War was imminent. She added, In this horrible war, Portugal will be spared because of the national consecration to the Immaculate Heart of Mary made by the bishops. In fact, Portugal's preservation from World War II was a miracle even greater than the previous one, as German troops were about to invade Portugal under what was called Operation Felix. To this day, it is still a mystery as to why it did not happen. At the end of the war, both President Salazar and the bishops of Portugal publicly recognized this fact as a true miracle of Our Lady of Fatima. Fatima speaks not only to Portugal, but to the whole world. We believe that the apparitions of Fatima open a new era, that of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. What has taken place in Portugal proclaims the miracle, and it foreshadows what the Immaculate Heart of Mary has prepared for the world, said Cardinal Sarahara. This wonderful miracle lasted exactly as long as the pastors of the church remained unanimously faithful to the requests and the spirit of the message of Fatima. It is since the late 60s that the Portuguese miracle has gradually lost its luster. If it has been sadly obscured ever since, it is to the exact extent that the authentic message of Our Lady has been betrayed, distorted, or forgotten in favor of a new message and another spirit, which have everywhere caused the decline of the church and the ruin of Catholic societies. A Miraculous Symbol, The Doves At the closure of the third centennial jubilee of Portugal's consecration to the Blessed Virgin Mary, the statue of Our Lady of Fatima left for a whole month to travel throughout Portugal. During this triumphal journey, the famous Miracle of the Doves took place for the first time. Cardinal Sarahara himself explains a strange event for our myopic view as carnal creatures, is that of the doves that recently made their home at the feet of the white image of Our Lady of Fatima, almost hidden under her dress among the flowers. Many tens of thousands of people saw them there, pressed one against the other, turned towards the sweet image with their little beaks touching the bottom of the dress. Sometimes they go away for a short flight. But they so like to abide in that place that neither the noise of the crowd, nor the sound of the music, nor the explosion of the fireworks, nor the rain, nor wind nor cold, nor day, nor night, nor the petals, nor bouquets thrown there, nothing makes them come down from there. They remained with the statue almost the whole journey, from town to town, from the 2nd to the 17th of December, and again from the 21st to the 24th of December. This miracle was repeated many times, not only in Portugal, but in many other countries, in spite of many attempts to prevent the doves from placing themselves at the foot of the statue. However, in all non-Catholic, pagan, and Muslim countries, the doves did not appear. Number two, Rome, Pius XII, 1942-1952. to 1952. Pope Pius XII received the message of Fatima with great interest. The more he knew about the events, the more he became a fervent devotee of Our Lady. The Consecration of the World to the Immaculate Heart of Mary in 1942. On the 31st of October, 1942, he consecrated, in the Portuguese language, the Church and the world to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. He renewed the same act on the 8th of December in Rome during a ceremony of expiation and supplication in the presence of 40 cardinals, hundreds of bishops, the diplomatic corps, the clergy of Rome, and a great crowd of pilgrims. This act, which was the first official response to the requests of Fatima, was to orient and inspire the whole Church's devotion in the future. Later on, the Pope applied himself to recalling this act and underlining its importance. He invited the entire Christian people to unite themselves to this consecration. 
Bishops were to consecrate their dioceses to her, parish priests were to consecrate their parishes, and the faithful were to consecrate themselves. From this moment on, actions and gestures, almost without interruption, followed one another in order to honor Our Lady and to fulfill the requests of Our Lady of Fatima. In the same time, the Church experienced an overwhelming renewal, numerous conversions, an increase in vocations, edifying Christian lives on the part of a majority of Catholics. The Marian Pope. The Pope himself, thanks to his devotion to the Immaculate Heart, entered into the golden era of his pontificate at this time. In 1943, in his encyclical, Mystici Corporis, the conclusion of which was devoted entirely to the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of the Members of Christ, the Pope recalled this act of consecrating the world to her Immaculate Heart. On the 4th of May, 1944, in fulfillment of a request from Sister Lucia, the Pope established the Feast of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. In many of his sermons, allocutions, and letters, he insisted on the universal mediation of the Blessed Virgin Mary and the importance of the consecration to her Immaculate Heart. 1946 was the year when a new intensity of devotion to Our Lady was attained, especially in the devotion to Our Lady of Fatima. On the 1st of May, the Pope sent to the bishops of the world his encyclical, De Pari Virginis, in which he asked each of them to give his opinion on the definition of the dogma of the Assumption. On the 13th of May, he sent a special legate for the crowning of the statue of Our Lady of Fatima and addressed himself to the Portuguese nation in a long radio message. He was not afraid to use the strongest expressions, prodigy of Fatima, this blessed oasis impregnated with the supernatural. In 1947, he canonized Louis-Marie Grignon de Montfort and Catherine Labore, which gave to the Church an extraordinary new vigor through the promotion of the Treaties of True Devotion to Our Lady and the Miraculous Medal. He also wrote his encyclical, Mediatra Dei, in which he condemned modernist attempts to change the Holy Liturgy and insisted on the preeminent culture, excuse me, on the preeminent cult due to the Blessed Virgin Mary, our Mother, who gives us her Son and with him all the help we need, for God has willed that we have everything through Mary. In 1948, he wrote, In the dark night weighing heavily upon the world, the most encouraging sign of our times is the ever-increasing demonstration, to the point of sometimes attaining spectacles of wonderful grandeur, of trust and filial love, which leads souls to the most pure and immaculate Virgin Mary. And he declared that the sign of hope and consolation is this extraordinary eagerness in this tortured and troubled generation, to return to the fountains of living water gushing forth in great waves from the sacred hearts of Jesus and Mary. In 1949, he raised his voice many times against the invasions of the communists and the persecutions of Christians. He solemnly protested against the condemnation and imprisonment of Cardinal Menzenti in Hungary. He excommunicated all Catholic movements collaborating with the communists. The whole year 1950 was unquestionably the high point of Pius XII's pontificate. Perhaps never before had the papacy enjoyed such prestige, such moral authority, such universal influence. He continued to propagate the message of Fatima and condemn the attempts of modernists to have their ideas regain influence in the Church. In his encyclical, Humana Generis, he denounced and condemned neo-modernism. He addressed to the clergy of the Catholic world a vigorous exhortation entitled Mens Nostri, insisting on their devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary and the Mediatrix of Heavenly Graces. On the 1st of November, he proclaimed the dogma of the Assumption of Our Lady, for several years already, some influential theologians had begun to write against Fatima, 
questioning the authenticity and objectivity of the writing of Sister Lucia. In 1950, the Pope firmly reacted against this insidious campaign. He even decided that the solemn closing of the Holy Year would take place the following October at the Covadieria, extra urbem, outside Rome. By 1951, he was happy to be called the Pope of Fatima by Catholics. In his radio message on the 13th of October, he acknowledged once more the marvelous fruits of Fatima at her passage in America as in Europe, in Africa and in India, in Indonesia and Australia. The blessings of heaven rain down, marvels of grace are multiplied in such a way that we can hardly believe our eyes. In 1952, Sister Lucia wrote to the Holy Father, explaining that the consecration of Russia had not yet been accomplished according to the requests of Our Lady. On the 7th of July, he published the apostolic letter to the peoples of Russia, Sacro Urgente Anno, in which he wrote, Today we consecrate, and in a most special manner, we entrust all peoples of Russia to this Immaculate Heart. But he accomplished this as a private act and didn't ask any bishops to join him in this prayer. However, the summer of 1952 marked a turning point in Pius XII's pontificate concerning Fatima and his attitude towards modernist theologians and bishops. Number three, Spain. In 1947, the world tour of Our Lady of Fatima began. The first passage of the Pilgrim Virgin was into Spain, and that was without any exaggeration and apotheosis. There was one month of enthusiastic receptions, during which the ecclesiastical and civil authorities and innumerable multitudes of the faithful gave their filial homage of love and veneration to Our Lady of Fatima. Confessions and communions, processions, rosaries, holy hours of reparation, consecrations to the Immaculate Heart of Mary followed one after the other. The graces of miraculous healings multiplied prodigiously, said Don Alonso. There was also a grand finale with her arrival at Madrid, where the workers at the city's outskirts gave her a triumphant welcome and a few days later, she was received as the Queen of Queens by General Franco, his family, and his government. The most extraordinary apotheosis ever recorded in the Annals of Fatima, and certainly one of the most spectacular ones ever given by the Most Holy Virgin, took place in Madrid in May 1948, said Father da Fonseca, where Our Lady had a million and a half believers to acclaim her. It was the greatest gathering in her honor ever seen. The Bishop of Madrid wrote in his Thanksgiving letter, As soon as she entered my diocese, she never ceased conquering souls, gathering multitudes of hundreds of thousands of believers and even poor unbelievers, all bowed down before the image, acclaiming it, weeping, praying, singing pious canticles. Never, never was such a thing seen in Madrid. In the whole country, people speak only about Our Lady of Fatima, her passage to Madrid, her numerous miracles, the innumerable conversions. I would give my 25 years of the apostolate here for these nine days. During the whole time, the priest never left the confessional. The parish priest of the suburbs told me that over 40% of the people who asked to go to confession had not done so for 15, 20, or 30 years. Nowhere more than during this jubilee was the miracle of the doves more striking, more overwhelming for the countless crowds who were able to observe it. Father Barthas gathered numerous extraordinary testimonies of priests and faithful about this continuous miracle. In 1953, a concordat was signed between the Holy See and Spain. It was exemplary on all points, in its full and complete recognition of the rights and privileges of the Catholic Church, which was proclaimed the sole religion of the Spanish nation. In October 1954, General Franco pronounced, in the name of the entire nation, 
and admirable consecration of Spain to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Number four, France. In March 1943, the bishops of France consecrated each diocese to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. This consecration was the charter for the Great Return, the visit of the Pilgrim Madonna in over 16,000 parishes of France within five years. This new kind of Marian mission was completely centered on consecration to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. During the day, there were long marches on foot from one parish to another, often involving immense processions at all seasons, in summer and in winter, under the sun, the frost, the snow. The nights were spent in the pulpit and the confessional. The next morning, the pilgrim statue continued its way to the following parish. Everywhere, the crowds ran to welcome the pilgrim virgin. In an outburst of fervor and a demonstration of faith, difficult to imagine today, during 60 months, between 40 to 50 missionaries accompanied the Marian path. It is difficult, after 20 years, to realize to what extent an entire people rose up in enthusiasm and fervor. Under the fragile appearance of statues which were passing by, the presence of the Mother of God was hidden. She was the great converter, the great missionary, written by Father Divino in 1963. Bishop Theus spoke about a complete conversion of France in the worst moments of World War II and in spite of the fierce attacks of the Freemasons. Number five, North America and Great Britain. In North America, the statue was solemnly crowned by the Archbishop of Ottawa upon its arrival in Canada. On the 8th of December, 1947, the statue crossed the border between Canada and the United States at Niagara Falls. The first welcome took place in the Cathedral of Buffalo, where 200,000 people came to pray, although the city numbered only 50,000 Catholics. The same thing happened in all the dioceses and parishes of the United States. After this Marian tour, Monsignor H. Colgan, seconded by John Hayford, founded the Blue Army of Our Lady of Fatima to spread her message and work to put it into practice. The program was simple. The Daily Rosary, devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary with its two components, reparation and consecration, the wearing of the brown scapular, the accomplishment of one's duties of state in the spirit of penance. These were done with the intention of obtaining peace in the world through the conversion of Russia. The movement enjoyed such a rapid success that by 1950, it already counted a million members. How can we not attribute to Our Lady of Fatima the thousands and thousands of conversions of communists and Protestants obtained by her great apostle in the United States, Bishop Fulton Sheen? Also, the conversion of so many influential communists, principally in Anglo-Saxon countries, especially when they themselves, like Douglas Hyde or Hamish Fraser, declare that they owe their return to the Catholic fold to the intercession of Our Lady of Fatima. That was written by Canon Barthas. For example, in the USA, for the year 1949 alone, there were no less than 120,000 conversions to Catholicism. These conversions every year in the United States were one of the marvelous fruits of the apostolate of the Blue Army. At Fatima on the 13th of October, 1954, Bishop De Silva blessed the cornerstone of Domus Pacis, which became the Blue Army's international headquarters. In 1956, its statutes were approved by the Holy See. In 1959, the Blue Army counted close to 15 million members. If today the mystical body of Jesus Christ is being crucified, it is not the communists who are principally responsible. For Stalin's soldiers, who are in the process of planting the nails in the flesh of the mystical body of Christ, are the agents not of the Kremlin, but of our apathy, our lethargy, our lack of loyalty and courage. When we Catholics begin fully accepting our responsibilities, Communism will become as ineffectual as the Arian heresy. In my humble opinion, 
Fatima is the most significant event of this century, perhaps the most significant one since the Reformation. Hamish Fraser, 1952. Number six, the world. Consecrations since 1946. Encouraged by Pope Pius XII personally, many countries were consecrated to the Immaculate Heart of Mary by the totality of their bishops, often with the crowning of the pilgrim statue of Our Lady of Fatima and processions and pilgrimages all over the country. In 1946, the Philippines and Poland in 1947, Belgium, Canada, Argentina, and Hungary. In Hungary, in spite of the hostilities of the communist regime, almost 5 million Catholics took part in the festivities and pilgrimages of the Marian year. In Holland, she entered to preside over the Marian Congress. At Luxembourg, 100,000 communions for a population of 250,000 inhabitants. 1948 witnessed the wonderful events of Our Lady of Fatima's tour in Angola and Mozambique, and then in all of Africa. In 1949, Our Lady's statue visited India, Pakistan, Vietnam, and Sri Lanka with countless fruits of conversion to the Catholic faith. In 1951, the tour went through Australia and Oceania. In 1954, Spain, Colombia, and Germany were consecrated to her Immaculate Heart. Italy. The Great Return had enjoyed such beautiful success in France that its methods were soon adopted by all of Europe and in the whole world. In Italy, Cardinal Schuster organized the first Marian tours called Peregrinatio Mariae in the year 1947. It is a triumphal passage from parish to parish of an image of the Madonna in an uninterrupted succession of religious demonstrations for the purpose of stirring the masses of the faithful in a salutary way, and to lead them through luminous paths to a renewal of Eucharistic and Marian piety, to a sincere and open practice of a real Christian life. The popular piety was indescribable all over the peninsula. This pilgrimage of Mary was resumed in 1959 with an even greater success. Beginning on the 17th of May at Pisa, the miracle of the doves was constantly renewed. Everywhere the white doves were found at Our Lady's feet. In all, there were 128 days that they faithfully followed Our Lady in 91 cities from May to September. The most spectacular solemnity took place at Catania, where almost all Italian bishops in the presence of several members of the government consecrated Italy to the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the Immaculate Heart of Mary. The passage of Our Lady of Fatima was really accompanied by a wonderful shower of graces over the good people who ran to her feet everywhere. Austria. It is a known fact that after the Second World War, part of the Austrian territory was occupied by the Soviets. Less well-known is the miraculous manner in which Austria was suddenly delivered from Moscow's tutelage. On the 13th of May, 1955, Moscow unexpectedly agreed to the complete retreat of its forces of occupation, finally restoring full independence to Austria. What had happened? One million faithful had signed a promise to say the rosary every day and respond to Our Lady of Fatima's requests. For Teresa Newman, the stigmatist of Connorsruth, there was no doubt about it. It was definitely the prayers and numerous rosaries of the Austrian people which acquired their liberty from all Russian domination, she declared shortly before her death in 1962. Leopold Figel, the Chancellor of Austria at that time, publicly attributed the deliverance of Austria to the miraculous intervention of Our Lady of Fatima. 1960. It would fill volumes to describe all the marvelous fruits of Fatima 
all over the world up to 1960. The refusal of the Vatican to publish the Third Secret in 1960 and the subsequent total silence of Rome towards the request of Our Lady provoked a slow but steady decline of the whole Fatima movement. The Church chose another orientation, and since then the fruits of Fatima have been reversed all over the world. All of the above-mentioned countries experienced a decline in faith and Christian life to a degree never seen before. We will pause at that point and return to Father's commentary pertaining to Chapter 1 tomorrow. Let us honor Our Lady of Fatima with all of our heart, mind, and strength, as well as her chaste spouse on earth, St. Joseph. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tu in mulieribus et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostri. Amen. Prayer to St. Joseph for Purity by Father Donald Calloway. St. Joseph, strong spiritual father, defend me against sins of the flesh. Jesus said, Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. St. Joseph, terror of demons, protect me from lust, immoral desires in my heart, and impure actions in my body. Help me not to offend God. Here and now I chain myself to you and sacrifice everything for the good, the true, and the beautiful. I love you, St. Joseph, and I thank you for being my spiritual father. Amen. Virgo potens, ora pronobis, sancti Joseph, terra daimonem, ora pronobis. In nomine Patris, et Filii, et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Thank you very kindly for listening to episode 142 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. Once again, my name is Terence M. Stanton. Please share this podcast with everyone you know. Jesus, we love you. Our Lady of Fatima, we love you. St. Joseph, we love you. Goodbye, and God love you.